assassin. There is no place for compassion. No room for hesitation. There is only the target, and no one escapes the hitman. Hello and welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. This is your weekly news and chatter episode for the week commencing April 4th. As usual, we'll respond to some listener feedback, briefly chat about what we've been playing recently, and then take a look at the news from Video Games World over the past week. I'd like to welcome to the show Kev, Stuart, and Andy. Hi, hi. Hello. Hello. So we'll start with some letters we've had from the community. Our good friend Mike Dixon, at TestU27 on Twitter, says, Are there any games you're really excited for but stopped playing shortly after release? Um, how I'll probably say Bayonetta 2. I think purely because it looks fantastic. It's on the Wii U. It's playable on the controller and everything. But mm. I just couldn't get into mm. it straight away. I hadn't played the first one previously, so I hadn't. So it's just taking me that little bit of time um, to actually have a proper go at it. Yeah, thinking about it, I've not got past the intro levels. I seem to have stopped playing it as well, but that's more time thing, I think. Yeah, likewise. I've, I haven't played it in a while, but it's got nothing It's nothing to do with the, the game. The game is great. It's just I've had too much on and too many other games, and I will go back and play it for sure. Yeah, it's probably the same, like Transformers Devastation. I think it's a short game, so I want to extend the experience. Um, played it for about a few hours and then left it. I haven't gone back to it since November, so... But, that's on the list to go back to. Yeah. It's always something new coming out, always something that you just want to, I just take a break here. <laughs> yeah. And then go back to it. And then, and then all of a sudden, six months rolls around and you think, bollocks, I need to go back to that game. Yeah, where was I in that? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a way, isn't it? So it's always something new, always something takes <laughs> precedent and you just get distracted. Mine's Just Cause 3. I'm looking forward oh, to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it for about a year or so. I got it on pre-order for eight months and then um, played it all the way through December, made it into my top ten games of the year. Then New Year came. Once it sobered up, I've not touched it since. <laughs> I've got a couple. Well, actually, the original Dark Souls, when I first picked it up, I hadn't played Demon Souls at that point. I hadn't had a PS3 system work when I only had a 360. Um... I picked it up on a friend's recommendation, played through it for a good while, um, was really enjoying it despite the difficulty, then came up against the boss that I could not beat, and after a couple of dozen attempts, I just put the game down, and then didn't play it again for another 6 to 12 months, or something like that. Um, But then I did pick it up again and actually finish it. Uh, But the two that I got that I picked up quite quickly after release and then didn't play for very long and they're both Warner Brothers games so I don't know if it says anything about them but um, Shadow of Mordor picked it up played through a chunk of it was really enjoying the Nemesis system and the um, whole Assassin's Creedy runny jumpy climby stabby aspect of it and then stopped playing it and it's sat on my shelf ever since and it's been there for about two years <laughs> uh, and I haven't played it again and the other one was um, Batman Arkham Knight I was really excited for it picked it up started playing through it got a decent way through it and then I think I just realised I was just fed up of that formula and the only thing they'd really added um, apart from shiny new visuals was the, the Batmobile which was unmanageable 
which was unmanageable, yeah, and it was the whole thing of, like, Batman doesn't kill people unless you're watching Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> he kills lots of people in that film, apparently. But, um, yeah, I, I just kind of stopped playing it. And, again, it's, it's been sat in my library on my PS4, and I just haven't gone back and finished it because I just... I think I'm done with the Warner Brothers style. I can't remember the name of the studio. Rocksteady. Rocksteady, yeah. I think I'm just tired of the Rocksteady... Uh, system uh, to, to a lesser extent it's the same problem with Mad Max I tried for a while to push through it but apart from the car combat in that which is really good it's the same similar sort of system of picking up meaningless collectibles and running into a group of enemies and then waiting for them to attack you so you can press the counter attack button and then punch them back and I, I think I just got bored of that that system that style of game yeah the actual massive literal sandbox <laughs> yes yeah, it was a massive sandbox with not a lot in it. Apart from sand. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Belcher, at Bortang, uh, B-W-O-R-T-A-N-G on Twitter, has uh, so tweeted us to ask, what's on top of your piles of shame? I'm just looking at my piles hmm. at the moment. Um, I've got Lego Marvel Superheroes, <laughs> Wasteland 2, <laughs> and on top of a Vita pile, I think it was a Batman game. Yeah, that's a free on top of my piles at the moment. What, ashamed of not finishing oh, no. or ashamed of actually owning? <laughs> no, I'm not ashamed of any of it at all. It's a library, isn't it? <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On mine, I would probably have to say games that I've maybe put a little bit of time into but never actually put a lot of time into, Demon Souls and... Oh, possibly mm. any of the Bethesda ones. So, um, say something like uh, Skyrim or even any of the Fallout ones. You know, the, the big ones everybody talks yeah. about. Um, oh, and Resident Evil 4. There's another one that everybody loves I've never played. Mine's probably Super Mario Baseball. What, that's, that's the top of your pile of shame? <laughs> yeah, Super Mario Baseball. <laughs> really, really hard game to finish, I'll tell oh, you. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a really hard game to actually get the concepts of when you don't actually know the rules of baseball. I know right. Is. Hit the ball! Hit the ball! That's all you have to do and catch it. You make it sound so easy. Have you tried Super Mario Baseball? Hitting the ball is just the hardest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one on the Wii or the GameCube? GameCube. I think I do have that somewhere. Very hard to get hold of over here. Really? Yeah, but that's because nobody knows what baseball is. <laughs> well, yeah, that helps too. Top of my pile of shame, I've got lots of dozens and dozens of games in my PS Plus back catalogue that I haven't played or have played a little tiny bit of and then haven't gone back and finished that I really need to. Things like Never alone. Um, can't believe I didn't ever finish that. Probably top of the ones that I haven't played, and I don't know why I haven't played. It was Odd World New and Tasty. Uh, it was on PS Plus a few months ago, um, sometime last year. I can't remember exactly when. I was a big fan of the old um, Odd World games uh, back on. Was it PS1? Yeah, it would have been PS1. Yeah, the first well, one came out well, on you. Yeah. yeah. And then New and Tasty came out and it was well, very well received. And then it came out on PS Plus, and I haven't finished it no I haven't even started it <laughs> so yeah I need to go out and finish that finish it I need to go back and actually start it I have just checked my backloggery account and on, on GameCube I have Mario Golf Mario Kart Double Dash Mario Party Tennis Mario Smash Football and Mario Superstar Baseball oh you never played Double Dash oh no it's just on my account it's, I just have all the games listed there so I just thought I actually have a record of them they're all up in the in a box in the list oh okay um, so I just have I played so much Double Dash <laughs> yeah it is such a good game the game I really want to play is Hero Quest back on the Specky I still need to complete that game have you still got it yeah I still got it the original Spectrum 
box and everything, but I think I'm going to play on an emulated version of it. Yeah, it depends who owns the license and what have you, whether or not it's available on worldofspectrum.org. Yeah, forget the uh, tape loading screen, you know, going through it. Oh, I missed that tune. I love that. <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. You can just <laughs> listen to it and put you to sleep. Jack Smith at Chronogenesis on Twitter has sent in uh, a three-part question. We'll tackle the first two together, I think. Uh, so the first part is, why can't I stop playing Mitomo? And the second part is, is Mitomo something you can even play? It's not a game, so perhaps there's a better descriptor to use uh, instead. I don't know why you can't stop playing Mitomo, but if you find out, can you let me know? Because I can't stop playing it either. <laughs> It's not a game. It's not a game. It's a social network with sort of nice little avatars, is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a social network where you're socialising with complete strangers. I don't know any of these people, (laughs) apart from you. Yeah, (laughs) we didn't know you last year. Yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So much better than Monica. for you. (laughs) I don't know if a few people, like it's added a bunch of people that I know from Twitter, but then because it keeps on throwing up suggested people that you add based on you knowing other people i've ended up with half my friends list of people i don't know either but um i've got 420 friends i don't yeah. know that many people <laughs> but I don't know, how would we describe it? so it's basically like nintendo's take on social media you import your me from um whatever nintendo console you've got or create a new one um if you don't have one already and then you kind of I tried to de- I tried to describe this to someone the other day uh, when I was convincing them to download it, and they were like, "So what is it? Sell it to me." And I said, "Well, you answer questions and try on clothes, <laughs> and that's about it." And take nice photos, <laughs> or drop little me's down a shaft of some sort and just watch them bounce yeah, it's, about. Um, yeah, me Pachinko. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really hard to describe. But it's once you start playing it, it's really, really hard to stop. Well, my wife picked up my phone earlier, and um, my me was wearing a dress. And <laughs> the explanation was, well, I want it. Yeah, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> yeah, I got really excited when I, I won a shirt with pictures of bread on it. I was really pleased with my bread shirt, yeah. But it's it's something about the the weird combination of, like, Nintendo charm... And the wacky answers you get to the questions that they pose, because the questions are on the whole quite tame, but because it's, and this is unusual for Nintendo, they'll let you answer it any way you want. There's no filter. They won't get rid of swear words or any, any weird or dark answers to the questions. Um, some of the answers you get are just laugh out loud funny. And that combined with like the fact that it's like, it's your, it's your me. And he's walking around in the house wearing some new threads and there's some, you know, nice twinky, um, Nintendo music playing in the background. It's, it's insane. And I love it. No, I can't say for say I haven't even got into this craze yet. So you it's will. Right. It's only a matter of time. You will. No, I'm all right. You know, I'm just, I'm just watching the fun happen. Uh, yeah. I'll be the one just, observing it from a calm distance <laughs> yeah it's surprising for nintendo a company that doesn't really understand the internet to get an app working this well first time and to get mm. it to interact yeah. perfectly well with twitter and, and facebook and, and instagram as well so they've done well i've got high hopes for anything they bring out in the future i'm looking forward to um pokemon go is it pokemon go I think that's what it's yes, called. it's the uh, the GPS um, location one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. They've shown that they they actually know how to make an app, so I'm surprised. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think there have been some issues um, with some testing, what have you, in Japan. I think I read an article somewhere along the lines um, saying that there have been 
um, some technical issues or something or that wasn't displaying quite as nicely as they hoped. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done on it, but um, that could be potential. And especially if they start adding in a, in-app purchases and what have you for that. Yeah, it could be a real moneymaker for them. I don't intend on spending any money on it. I don't like, I try and avoid in-app purchases on any free-to-play game on phone. Uh, so finally, uh, Jack asks, on a more serious note, what is the best llama in gaming? <laughs> Anyone got any ideas? I really struggle with this. I you actually have an answer. It is, <laughs> yes, it is the Llamas with Hats cruise control mobile game. I have a vague recollection you're on a cruise ship and um, kicking other passengers <laughs> so, oh. or as a llama. So there we go. Best llama. Because they are the best llamas because they have hats. So we'll move on to what we've been playing. Uh, who wants to start us off? I'll start. One of the games I've completed is Assassin's Creed Rogue. It's a solid game. Um, I got more into it as I went along through the story. It took me about 13 hours or so just to play through it. Pulls in some of the background to Assassin's Creed 3 and I expect Assassin's Creed 4 since it happens before them. I enjoyed it. I mean, it got through to the penultimate level. And before that, I didn't really do any of the extra bits, any extra missions having to upgrade my ship or anything but then i came up against the fleet of ships so i really had to pause it then and go off and get some wood and get some materials um attack some other cargo ships and so i could be, i was like a pirate and that helped build up my um, main ship so that i could actually tackle the penultimate level while the final boss was quite easy as such um yeah i enjoyed it you know you, you sailing through the north um is it the antarctic or the arctic North this is Atlantic. the very north of Canada, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. So the, the northeastern north sh- yeah. shores, is it? Yeah, Nova and Scotia and around that area. Nova Scotia, yeah, all that area. Um, mm. It's enjoyable. You don't have to do any of the hunting bits. I found the only bit, like I said, you have to really upgrade is your ship, so it can tackle, you know, that the enemy fleet and the penultimate battle. But overall, it's good. I mean, I know it came in controversy. I think with um, when it, you can actually attack and hunt whales, but um, I didn't. I didn't bother with that because I just watched Star Trek Four, funnily enough, and I thought better not do. It. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling a bit of a conservationist yeah. mood at the time, so I didn't attack him. I just, I just watched, quite nice graphics as you're sailing on and they're just jumping around. I thought I'd just leave them, you know. But overall, it's a solid game. So you didn't fancy mind melding with them then. No, I didn't jump in the underpants <laughs> and find out if it was Gracia. After you talked about this the other week, I actually went and reinstalled Black Flag on my mm. PS4 just so I could have a little noodle about. Like, I, I didn't actually do any missions or anything, because like, I really can't be bothered with that. But I still really, really enjoy that game just for sailing about in the Caribbean with your with your crew singing a, some sea shanties um, yeah. as you go around and hunt down dreadnoughts or, or take on a fleet of, uh, of frigates or whatever. Yeah, that game, I, I mean, I haven't played uh, any of Rogue, but I, I really wish that uh, Ubisoft would just kind of do a spin-off series based on on uh, on Black Flag or something like that. It's just like a pirate game using the the, the ship uh, mechanics, the ship combat mechanics that they built into into Black Flag and Rogue, because it's so solid. And then they just completely abandoned it and went back to the old mm. just running around in the city. And I could not care less about running around cities anymore. Like there are cities in Black Flag. There's quite big yes. ones as well, like Kingston and, and places like that. And I just 
yeah. can't be bothered. But uh, I think the only reason I, I actually spent any time in those cities was to complete the main story, which I can't remember anything of at all, apart from the, 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 the side stuff that there's like a main storyline involving the, the assassins, blah, 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 I couldn't care. Um, but then there's like other missions involving Blackbeard and other famous pirates, and that stuff was really fun. Um, but the, the, apart from to do that, the only reason I spent any time in any of the cities was to hunt down all the little pieces of, of paper so that my crew would learn new sea shanties. Like, <laughs> collectibles in Assassin's Creed games are usually bollocks. Like in Assassin's Creed 3, hunting down pages from Benjamin Franklin's notebook, I really... Uh, fuck that. Yeah. Um, but hunting down new sea shanties was great because then you, your crew had got something new to sing. I, I don't know if they've got any sea shanties in, in Rogue at all. Do they? I don't think I don't think we noticed them anyway. No. Oh, that's a shame. That's the best thing about Black Flag. Probably. <laughs> but I think if you follow Black Flag and you go to Rogue, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a solid mm. game. The engine's solid. So yeah. There's no problems what you had in Unity. No, no. It's a shame it just went under the radar because all the publicity went into Unity and none went into this. If you can pick it up for a reasonable price, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I do intend to play it because I I really, really enjoy Black Flag still to this day. Like, it's starting to show its age a bit because it was sort of a... um it was a cross-gen game. It was a PS3, PS, uh, a PS3 and Xbox 360 game that got ported onto Xbox One and PS4, um, and it looks, you know, it looks all right. But it, it's starting to show its age a bit now. Mm. Yeah, re- I, I mean, I, if you ever see a, a cheap copy of Black Flag, I'd highly recommend you pick it up. Yeah, I think I've got Black Flags on my pile of shame, as we call it. It's on the- <laughs> get on it, get on it. It's great. I'll go on to the other one that I was teasing the other week. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, The Hand of Fate. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Mm. It's out mm-hmm. on the Xbox One. I think it was on Xbox Gold last month. It's on PS4 and it's on... I think it's on PC. It must be on PC. But I've got it on PS4. Essentially, it's a card game with a twist. I don't know if you've ever played what they call, I think, living card games where you can play these by yourself in... in you sort of like take a party and you play your cards and so on this is exactly like that and on screen is the biggest bastard in terms of annoyance you've ever you ever heard of all those little quotes and little quibs he keeps as you play through the game just really annoying really piss you off <laughs> there's 12 levels to the story or you can play an endless mode you've got card decks and so the, the dealer as such deals you the your decks and he deals his decks and he plays them on the screen in front of you and you have to move on to each card and either reveal a landmark or maybe reveal a, a merchant it might reveal um, an elf who's going to help you it might reveal another encounter it might m- reveal the combat if it reveals a combat he will deal with show you like maybe one or two cards and it'll show you you have to fight two to six or more people um, who you're going to fight now when it goes to a combat the real neat twist is it turns into almost like God of War it's not card versus cards you don't just you fight cards it's you are actually in control of your character and you are dodging and using your special powers that you've picked up um, and fighting the protagonists and if you win you progress if you get that's the end of the game as such you've you've lost as you move round the little cards um, it's, it costs you food because you have food and each one each movement costs you a bit of food if you have a battle it costs you a bit of gold 
if you lack of food, if you've got no food, it starts eating to your health. So eventually you're going to die. So yeah, it's really strategic in that sense. It is really a lot of fun. I've played about five levels. It's quite quick to get through. So you can play maybe each level and you get through it. I'll give it about half an hour or so. It is really fun to play. It's not one of those you can play for continuous loads and loads of time. I just found it really fun, really neat, really nice, neat, neat twist on the um, the card genre. So, like I said, you're not just seeing the cards, you are, and then in combat, you, that's, you play as God of War. It's really good. So, the other final game I had to go up this weekend was the Doom 4. Beta. They're just calling it Doom, aren't they? Just to confuse yeah. people when you, when you go to look it up on <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia in the yeah. future. Did you mean Doom 2016 or did you mean Doom yeah. whenever the original came out? 1922. 1922, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing the X Microsoft trick, aren't they? Let's go back to the beginning, confuse people, like I said. Yeah, or the Need for Speed naming convention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tomb Raider 2013, anybody? <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> so we beat is just multiplayer. Um, hmm. It's got two modes: there's warpath and deathmatch. And when I went on Friday, um, it found couldn't get on um, anywhere. But found trouble getting matches. I don't know if it was a lack of people playing it or whatever. But eventually found a way into warpath. Um, warpath is basically area control, isn't it? You control a moving bit of area either the blue team or the red team and it'll interchange swap sides and gain points as, as you fight the other mode is deathmatch which that's is what I play so, yeah. yeah I had a bit of deathmatch but I played Warp I thought it was quite fun mm. it's fast paced I have to yes. give it that it is very fast paced but I thought the designs of the marines quite dull what's interesting is you can change your loadout you can change anything you're not, you're not set in your loadout for the game I also found it strange at the start normally you would change your weapons with a d-pad but all the d-pad movements give you some sort of animations some yeah. dance animations like the Carlton dance yeah yeah so <laughs> <laughs> quite a few times I was getting killed while doing a dance <laughs> so. yeah no, I would notice that once you start doing the um, one of the emotes it, you have to wait for the animation to finish you can't move yeah. until it's finished so That's I got it. caught by that a couple of times yeah <laughs> so yeah, fun trying that out until eventually find the weapon change. Demons come into it at certain times where your player will transform into a demon if you pick up um, a little special token. They'll change mm. into a. I think the main, the only demon at the, at the time was Revenant. Yeah, the Revenant. Just buggers to kill, and they were mm-hmm. flying around everywhere and just killing everybody with missiles. Yeah, I thought the two maps I played was one like in a refinery. And um, one was in a cavern. Well, okay, it was just nothing about them. Um, I thought it was fast paced, it was interesting. It didn't attract me to the game that I'm going to buy it day one. I'll pick it up eventually, but I think it's more of a single player rather than the uh, multiplayer. Yeah, I, I played a bit of this as well. The, those fine gentlemen over at Codec Moments um, sorted me out with a with the beta code on PS4, so I played um, a few matches and put some footage up on uh, on the Laps Gamer YouTube channel. I only played the team deathmatch mode, whatever it's called in, in in Doom. It's yeah, it's kind of it's 
it's interesting. It's I, I've I've always got a soft spot for those like fast-paced arena-style shooters. Like I used to mm. love playing um, Quake Three Arena and um, Unreal Tournament and games like that. And it's kind of similar to those, except it's got nods to modern gaming. You've got like you said, like loadouts, you can select what's your yeah. primary and your secondary weapon and what grenade you've got, and you can customize the weapon skins and change the look of your character and, and whatnot. And the pickups, in terms of what, what weapons you can pick up, is very limited. There'll be timers that'll count down, you can go and pick up a, a particular powerful weapon, you know, you'll have that for a while. Or, yeah, the demon system, there'll be a, a, a point will appear on the map. And the first person to get to that point after it reaches zero will turn into a demon for a while, um, which, yeah, they're just like a super, super yeah. powerful one-hit kill monster. And if they get killed, then they drop the power up, and then the next person can pick it up until the timer runs out, and then it goes. Um, it's good. Uh, there's, it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's got bits of it have got a very classic feel. There's no aim down sights except for two weapons. Um, it's still, it's got the classic double barreled shotgun in there. Um, the assault class loadout. Your primary weapon is a rocket launcher, and that's classic doom. Yeah. Um, things about it are a little bit. I'm not too keen on like uh, well I'm not, it's not that I'm not too keen on they just don't feel like Doom like if you jump up to a ledge that's slightly too high your character will clamber up it and it's like that doesn't that doesn't feel like Doom I don't know why it annoyed me because it's kind of it's it's an interesting way of getting around and it adds a little bit more verticality to the levels um, matchmaking is fucking awful uh I, I hope that it was just because it was the beta and then yeah. when the final game comes out it'll be a lot better but in the time that it took me to get into matches, and this was every time, even when I just played a match and you wait for the next match to go, it would seem to empty the lobby and then you'd have to find another one and go back in. And I could have jumped in, match made, and played two or three games of Splatoon in the time it took to match make one level of um, of Doom. Yeah. Uh, one match on Doom. So the matchmaking is, at least in the beta, was absolutely broken. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm not too sure how to feel about it it's fun uh, I'm not going to pick it up on day one no I think my for me is a single player I mean I played the Doom collection on PS3 a couple of years ago enjoyed that um, so I've played them all um, but I will pick it up eventually when it goes down yeah I'll pick it up when it's yeah. cheap and you're right about the visuals it is every shade of yeah. brown you could imagine This week, Adam's not been able to make it to the recording because of circumstances well beyond his control. He still manages to get behind the mic, though, and uh, send us his thoughts on what he's been playing this last week or so. So take it away, Adam. Firstly, apologies I couldn't be there, guys. We had a snowstorm last night, and it took me a lot longer to get to work than I anticipated. So I've had to stay late, hunkered down at work. Uh, Banjo Nuts and Bolts was the first thing I played. I'd say it's suitable for a laps gamer. It's open... It's pretty slow pace, you can do what you want, open world, just cruising around, picking up bits to make vehicles and stuff. It's not really got any of the hard platforming that Banjo games traditionally had. It's not really for me, to be honest, I find it a bit boring. There's a lack of challenge. If you find in a level hard, you can just bolt another engine on a car or give it some weapons to make it shoot. So I'm just going to stick with it, maybe. Ugh, it's okay. I can see why I got criticism back in the day. Next up is a game definitely not for a lapsed gamer, Lords of the Fallen for the 
Xbox One I've been playing on. It was Games with Gold last month. And it's a lesser Dark Souls. I would say lesser is in it's less <laughs> good. It's by no means easier. Um, it's one of those games, you would like Dark Souls, you really got to get the pacing of the combat right to stand any chance. It's got a very deliberate, very slow pace. Uh, animation priority is a big thing. If you go and swing and someone swings at you, you're going to take that hit if you didn't time it properly. You're not going to be able to heal mid swing either. Um, so that's a bit disappointing, but um, I didn't stick with that. One of the things I've had this month is if you were to read my blog post that I put on the Stuart's lovely blog, I love to beat games, and sometimes I go through these periods of time where I'm constantly rushing through different games to try and finish them. This has been one such game where I came to it and I was like, no, I don't want to go to this one. So what I ended up spending more of my time with was a couple of other games. Next up, I've been playing Murdered Soul Suspect. I played it to completion. Another game I would actually recommend for a lapsed gamer, if I'm honest. Not too complicated, not too many puzzles. Mostly involves going from place to place, investigating things, but the investigating is nothing more than just finding the clues, really. You play a dead detective who's trying to solve the mystery of how he died and who killed him. It has a bit of a twist at the end, without going into too many details if somebody if you've played Heavy Rain it's not the same twist but there is a level of conceit there that kind of tricks the player that's a bit deceitful if I'm entirely honest but it's still fun still worth playing I'd still recommend it one thing I didn't like about it is this game loves its collectibles and like its logs about things and sometimes it would just make no sense why there's a scrap of paper in the middle of the pavement that's talking about very intimate details between you and your wife for example so I wasn't too much of a fan of that. Finally, the game I've settled on playing after not really getting into Banjo was Assassin's Creed Unity. Now, I have to admit something. I love Assassin's Creed games, but I realise they're not the greatest games, so I tend to pick them up cheap and play them way after the fact. So this is one I only paid $10.25 for Assassin's Creed Unity, and whilst I'll acknowledge it is a very broken game, I do enjoy Assassin's Creed for the plot mostly. I think there's something in this endless, timeless battle between Templars and Assassins and all the future stuff that gets its hooks into me. They completely have failed to deliver on the future stuff up until this point. 3 was the culmination of most of that stuff and they completely balked it. Where they went with it wasn't interesting. Everyone assumed they were going to get to a point where you're playing characters in the future, specifically Desmond. That's where it needs to go and that's where it would be cool if they had those moments. Assassin's Creed 3 did have some moments where you were Desmond, which were really cool, but um, we've not reached that point yet. Black Flag did some cool first person stuff in the future. Assassin's Creed Unity kind of ignores a lot of that stuff and just goes for putting you in the French Revolution. It's pretty obvious how ambitious this game was and I think that's why when it released was a bunch of bugs. I've still had numerous bugs playing it. I've had one hard lock, I've had sound disappear, I have frame rate issues, but it's clear that they tried really hard with the scope of the world, trying to make it, they added a bunch of new stuff like all the crowd stuff. But there are things I don't like about it. They changed the traversal system, I guess, to make it a bit simpler. So now you can just press A in the trigger and basically scamper up anything like you've got super glue on your hands or like your Spider-Man and it's not for me. I preferred the challenge of getting up to the 
eagle spots and diving down but now you can just hold the R and A and just shoot straight up similarly going down has been streamlined by pressing trigger in B which sometimes is useful but also in other ways I'm not a fan of it because it gets rid of that puzzle element and it streamlines it to the point where you're just holding A E and the R trigger all the time and sometimes Ario, as he's called, your character will leap onto things when you don't mean to, or backflip off stuff, and it doesn't quite work as well. I feel they've never quite hit that sweet spot that was Assassin's Creed 2, that had just enough complexity, but didn't complicate things too much. Talking of Ezio, this game continues to prove that Ubisoft have no idea why people would like Ezio. They continually are chasing this lightning striking twice and trying to get a character that resonates like Ezio did. The character in this game is not that character. He's a rogue, he, you don't feel his motivations, he's not really likeable, he's a bit of a... One of the characters in the game calls him Pisspot, that's pretty adequately describes how you may feel about him. Finally, the last thing I don't really like about this game is they removed a lot of the uh, abilities you had in the past behind a progression system. So, for example, throwing the coins out to distract crowds is now an upgrade that you have to pay for. And I'm not really that keen on that, to be honest. But I'm still going to finish it. I'm still going to play it. To be perfectly honest, it's still a game I really like. I love the seeds. I just wish one day they would nail that future stuff and give me a proper conclusion to why you're doing all this stuff in the past and kind of a reason, a real motivation that justifies, a justification for all this time travelling rather than these silly little plots. At the moment it's about finding some genome to trace back. Maybe Syndica does a much better job. I won't find out until it's a lot cheaper next year. Finally, I'm not going to waste too much time talking about this one because I know the guys will have spent probably far too long talking about it. It's me, Tomo. Um, cracking little idea. I'm not sure where it sits in as in terms of whether it's a game or not. Basically Nintendo are collecting everyone's credit card question information. So good on them I guess. It's, they're basically getting a whole bunch of marketing information for free as well and they can see what sort of questions people answer. They could, I don't know how much they're scouring that stuff but there is stuff in there. But yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to waste any more time on that. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I hope to be back with you soon. In the meanwhile, I'm going to sit in this cold bunker in Canada. Cheers, bye. Right, this week I have been spending my lunch hours putting a little bit more time into The Walking Dead No Man's Land on Android. I'm still enjoying it. I caved and spent the £2.29 for the cheapest in-app purchase, which gives you a couple of extra slots and um, a little bit of supplies and things just to keep you going. The way well, no, the way I look at it is for free-to-play, if I play it for long enough, the developers and what have you deserve at least whatever the cheapest in-app purchase is. Um, so I usually only do that once. And, you know, it's um, it makes up for not necessarily having to buy the game. So it does. So I'm happy enough with that. I think it's a fair justification, so it is. But yeah, any of the in-app purchases on a lot of games, you start going up into you know buying gold bars or whatever supplies and things, mm. and you start getting up into the fifty, sixty, seventy pounds and what have you, and it just gets silly. Um, so I don't have a pro- I don't have a problem paying um, sort of the base 
um, amount for it. And yeah. two pound twenty nine didn't seem too bad for the amount of enjoyment I'm getting out of it, and will probably still play um, for a long time. I took the same viewpoint with um, Rocket League because I got that for free on PS Plus. I've ended up buying pretty much every car pack that's come out because I thought, oh, you know, I've had so much fun with this game. I don't care. <laughs> Chuck in a few pounds towards the developers because I love what they've given. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So it is with the um, the business. You know, a lot of the time, well, I, I can't remember on where I read it or the stats or whatever, um, but there was something like uh, something ridiculous, like 0.2% of the um, the majority of in-app purchases um, or the majority of in-app purchases um, come from about 0.2% wow. um, of the number of people actually playing hmm. um, freemium games, um, which is a ridiculous stat. So it is. I'm not even sure if that's hmm. entirely true. I'm um, just sort of trying to recall that from memory but yeah it's something ridiculous like that um i've also been cracking on with la noir i've got a couple more cases done my plan is to try and get that finished before the end of april and i have put my name into codec momentum um for that to see if i can get it finished uh so i'll probably talk about that towards the end of the month um once i actually get it done (laughs) Um, I've been playing a little bit of Mitomo, but we've already talked about that. <laughs> the next couple of ones, yeah, no more about that. The next couple of ones, I was up in the loft um, over the weekend um, doing a little bit of DIY and what have you, and uh, my son wanted to try and play something, so I lifted out the Sonic Mega Collection on the GameCube. Oh, nice. Um, which I think is Sonic mm. 1, 2, 3, Sonic & Knuckles, Sonic Spinball, mm. Sonic 3D, and maybe one or two others. Um, he completed the first two levels in Green Hill Zone on Sonic and then went, nah, I want to play Donkey Konga. So that got put on. <laughs> but while I was up there, I dipped into my archive and I lifted out Headhunter and Silent Scope for the Dreamcast. Um, Silent Scope was released in 2000 and it was developed and published by Konami. It's basically a port of the arcade machine, um, which came with a huge big sniper rifle and everything attached onto it and had a completely separate display screen on the gun um, compared to the main screen on the arcade machine. Um, So whenever you were actually looking down the gun, you were seeing the zero zoomed in sight and what have you. And as one of you looked away, you saw the big screen so you could try and find out where your targets were. On the Dreamcast, they use a separate um, sort of little reticule um, that you can bring up on screen or make it disappear whenever you need to sort of move more quickly. It's a fairly good port, but it is slightly irritating because on the gun on the arcade machine, you had a complete freedom of movement. You actually move that round as much as you liked, and you could be a lot more accurate. On the Dreamcast, it's difficult because the analog controls are just a little bit not quite as nice as they could be um, it just feels a little bit slow sometimes whenever you're moving it and of course then as soon as you want to start being accurate it starts scooting away off so it does um, it was actually released on PS2, Xbox and there is actually a Game Boy Advance version of Silent Scope as well so there is I would say that's a very odd port <laughs> on the Game Boy Advance um, but yeah, you know, it's it's an enjoyable little game that you can put 5-10 minutes mm. into and sort of get through a couple of levels and you know, put it back on the shelf for a while. Uh, the other one that I'm playing is Headhunter, which was released in 2001, developed by Amuse and published by Sega on the Dreamcast. Um, it's a third-person um, sort of action game. Um, it holds up okay, uh, looking back on it now, being what's... Um, 
18 years old. It's really odd playing a third person game now with only one analogue stick <laughs> and having to press a button to centre the camera um, behind the player each time. Um, that just feels very strange uh, looking back on it now um, that we're so used to double analogue sticks. Um, the controls um, for the player aren't actually too bad, um, but whenever there's a couple of you travel around the city that you're in on a motorbike and the motorbike is terrible to control <laughs> um, due partly to the analog sticks and uh, the decision that if you sort of jam on the accelerator you do a wheelie and you cannot steer while you're doing the wheelie so you crash into either cars or walls a lot um, so I'll play that a little bit more until I either get bored of it um, which nearly happened very quickly because I think the main story is that you're some sort of agent who's lost his memory and you're then trying to track down um, a gener generic baddie who might have some information on who you are or why you lost your memory. Um, but to then start completing any of the missions you have to go through a sort of new agent um, testing facility and pass a number of missions. I was struggling with those either because game design isn't great or possibly just due to the controls and it nearly got the binned off um, but I'm past that so I'll have another little go at it and see how far we get. Um, I've been playing one more game which was Super Arcade Football which has just been released today on Steam. Um, it's developed and published by Out of the Bit Studios. It's a football game um, that is very reminiscent of both Sensible Soccer and Super Kickoff um, on PC and Mega Drive. It's a lot of fun, um, but it's still only in early access. Um, price is currently $6.99 on Steam, but I think for the rest of this week, um, um, unfortunately it'll probably run out after the podcast is released, there's currently 10% off, which takes it down to $6.29. For that price, it's maybe a little steep because there's still, the game itself is very robust mechanically, um, but there's still a lot of work to be done on it, and the publishers and developers have actually said this themselves and have a really good roadmap um, of what they're going to put into it. At the minute there is four player local co-op, or well, four player um, local multiplayer, so there is, um, which works really well. Um, I was playing a little bit of it at the weekend there, my brother was down, and my dad was playing as well, and it, it held up really well. Um, the standard um, 11 aside matches um, on grass. Uh, there is also playing on an icy pitch, which means these slides last for probably about a quarter of the pitch. The ball <laughs> bounces everywhere. It's very low friction. It's good fun and can be very chaotic, especially whenever you're doing slide tackles from about halfway across the pitch. Um, and there's also an indoor mode, um, which is switches to four aside and goes into um, landscape view, uh, which is also good fun. So there's no out of bounds or anything in the ball, just bounces um, off the boundaries and you continue playing. Uh, so I've had a lot of fun with it. At the minute, there are only national teams in it. Um, the developers are hoping to add in a lot more club teams. Um, there's currently sort of a World Cup, um, just sort of playoff uh, knockouts. Uh, stages so I think they're hoping to add a lot more in tournament wise and there's going to be new game modes and things which from a little clip um, that I saw on YouTube will include things like um, heat, large hailstones coming down onto the pitch and possibly knocking players out of the way um, so yeah sort of environmental effects and things the graphics need a little bit of work but they hold up fairly well 
and uh, yeah I've had a lot of fun with it I was talking to Lee um, about it who both of us actually received an early um, code for it um, so, have, so we've had it for about two weeks or so and uh, I've been um, playing it as I say unfortunately not um, over the internet um, just because it's still purely Lee said it was a fun game which tickled the sensible soccer nostalgia um, and the positive transparency from the dev um, as they really want the community to sort of be part of making the game better. There's Steam discussions and what have you um, up on the page and everything and they're more than happy to receive any sort of feedback and a lot of the new game modes and what have you will be developed um, due to that feedback from the um, players who are actually um, who were in before we were during the sort of beta stages and things like that. So at the minute it's possibly worth paying for um, but I think in the next year there will be an awful lot more added to it and you will probably get a lot more value for the money um, either way whether you want to jump in now and wait or um, wait until closer to the end of the year and see how it progresses from there but I say at the minute even the local multiplayer is good fun um, so hopefully if they can get the multiplayer sorted out um, over the, the internet that will be a lot of fun so it will especially if they can set up um, tournaments and things like that I think I might pick this one up but I don't know if I'm going to play it anytime soon because uh, my beloved Newcastle United is sucking all of my joy for football out of me <laughs> so um, I can't bring myself to play a football game at the moment without breaking down in tears <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed Sensible Soccer, I think um, it this definitely deserves getting bought. I think there's a couple of other similar games coming out. I think there's a Dino Dene um, football game being released soon, which I think is still currently in development. And I think there might be one other, but I can't recall the name of it at the minute. Um, so yeah, sort of the more interesting and less simulator um, side of the football games appear to be sort of coming back into um, popularity which I'm very fond of I gave up on FIFA and um, probably in the round whenever they ditched the isometric view so I think that was what FIFA 97 mm. on the Mega Drive and uh, I didn't never really get into the pairs and uh, you start looking at all the ones doing the FIFA Ultimate Team and all the people opening packs and things on YouTube and no it's it's too convoluted and too um it doesn't look fun to me so it doesn't whereas things like sensible soccer have always been and always will be fun so yeah super arcade football is definitely scratching that itch this last week or so i've been playing hitman go honestly it just sucks me in completely it's great um, i've ended up getting it on the ps4 and vita as a um, cross-platform buy which was a really good price. Can't remember what it was. I think it was about a fiver. It was it was uh, six pounds and change. Oh, that's very yeah. good. Perfect anyway, because obviously you can just play it on the Vita and then it'll just save to your PS4 straight away as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it works perfectly well on the Vita, and I think that's basically where it should be anyway. It's, it's definitely a handheld feeling to it. Yeah. I've also got it on my iPhone as well, which is not so much of a good deal, actually. It's three ninety nine on the App Store, and then you've still got to get in-app purchases. So basically all the stuff that you would get with the um, PlayStation, you would then have to buy it extra. And it's a bit of a cop-out, really. I don't like it on the iOS at all. Yeah, I saw that the, the, the PlayStation one is the definitive version, the definitive yeah. version they call it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's been released on Steam as well, so it has Yeah, Yeah, I haven't got anywhere near that point yet, but I did notice that when I was flicking through the boards that there is an entire set of boards based on what is 
probably my favourite level from any of the Hitman games, which was the theatre, the opera uh, level from uh, Hitman Blood Money, uh, which I can't remember the, the name of now. The fact that this Hitman sucked me in is just some, something of an accomplishment by Square Enix anyway, because um, I've got the first three on my PlayStation 3. I've got the HD trilogy as a sort of saws thing from um, PlayStation when they cocked up all our accounts. I've tried Blood Money on the 360 and mm. I'll probably try the new one but every time I do you can guarantee that I'll play about the first level get the shit kicked out of me every time and then just bin it off and yeah. never play it again. I'm just terrible at stealth games. I don't know why I bother with him at all. <laughs> I'd recommend if you do play through Blood Money I'd, I'd highly recommend at least muscling through to the level. It's called Curtains Down right. and that's the one that one of the boards of uh, Hitman Go is based around right. and it's the first level I've, I played in Blood Money where it's like you can get in and assassinate both the targets and get out making the entire thing look like a horrible accident <laughs> instead of gunning people down yeah that's a great absolutely great level yeah it's, it's so well presented as well isn't it the the, the Hitman mm. Go thing where everything's set up as a board game you know because basically yes. that's what it is it's, it's, it's just chess you've got to anticipate the next move haven't you mm-hmm. you've got to start thinking about 30 40 moves down if you're actually going to get anywhere without using any help which yeah. i've already started going into and somehow you're not <laughs> <laughs> i haven't used the in-game hints and i haven't looked up a guide yet but i've only i've managed to get three stars and all the levels <laughs> on the first board and mm. that was not too difficult got to the second board and it's like a massive jump in difficulty <laughs> yeah it's very taxing <laughs> I've, i'm doing so far uh doing okay so far on that board of being able to get through the levels getting the briefcase and getting out or assassinating the target and getting out each one's got an objective where you've got to finish that board in a certain number of moves or less mm. and those ones are so tough they're ridiculous because I, I i need to move around so much to be able to manipulate the guards to be in the exact right position so i've got a clean run to the exit and i don't i don't know how you on a lot of them it's like how are you supposed to do this in 12 moves or less i don't understand it um so i i may end up having to look up a, a guide online i don't want to use the, the hint system in game because i want that platinum you get through the whole board don't you and then it'll tell mm. you after you've finished what you've missed you know so um like for instance there was one particular level I got through and I took only one guard out and then of course mm. he turned out there I needed zero kills to get through the thing <laughs> and they were like yeah thanks <laughs> I'm just gonna go back and do all that again yeah. just because I knocked one bloke over damn but it you can, I like the fact that you can replay the levels over and over again oh yeah it doesn't yeah. wipe the previous progress it's like so you can play through a level and get the briefcase and get out and you can play through a level and just get out and then you can go back and then try and do the other objective like killing all the guards or killing none of the guards or doing yeah. it in a certain number of moves or less and it'll keep the other two objectives that you've already unlocked unlocked um so yeah, each map is infinitely replayable until you get those all those uh, all three objectives done well hmm. i don't think it'd be possible to get all three objectives on it's, one bl- it's bloody tough though isn't it it's really hard because it starts <laughs> off and you're thinking ah oh, i'm liking this and this is all right I'm, yeah then level two comes in you know the second board and suddenly yeah. the guards are jumping around and suddenly they're armed as well and you're thinking what's going off here hang on now i've got to change coats what mm. <laughs> but yeah 
brilliant, 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 brilliant. I can't say enough about it. It's, I love this game. This is exactly yeah. what I wanted to play. You know, it's just a mm. great logic problem. And you can play it for as as long or as you know. It doesn't matter how much time you've got. It's perfect mm. for a lapsed gamer. If you don't it mind. Is banging your head against a particular board over and over again until you've got the objectives. You can play it for five minutes or you can sit down and play it for an hour if you wanted. So I've been playing a few games. Uh, first of all, thanks to Stuart's suggestion, I uh, downloaded Desert Golfing on uh, Android. Yeah, yeah, you should be sorry, that fucking game. Um, I'm hooked and uh but it's the, that game is so goddamn hard i'm 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 only on hole 20 something and i've already hit a brick wall where i i can't get past this particular hole because it's it's up on a little tiny ledge that i that, that if i hit the ball slightly too hard it rolls off the edge uh, of the yeah. screen and then you start the hole again if i don't hit it quite hard enough then it doesn't hit the point that needs to be and then rolls down into a little pit that's really hard to get out of um that game is very, very difficult, but very, very fun. All the levels are randomly generated, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. So I think I've just been unlucky and hit a very difficult level very early. Uh, but I'm, I'll, I'll keep pushing along on it. I've been stuck on the same hole for a week. I will get through it. The next game I've been playing is Trackmania Turbo on the PS4. Um, have any of you guys ever played any of the Trackmania games? Mm, nope. nope. None at all. You know... So Trackmania's kind of got um it's got a reasonably long history. They've been making it since I think the first one came out in the early two thousands. French studio called Nadio, N A D E O, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. And it kind of had a bit of a, a cult following. It's like a, a racing game, uh, a time trial racing game, usually like point to point or, or you can make circuits. And the whole thing about it was that people would create these crazy circuits and then they'd rent their own server space and have these circuits on there with their own particular soundtrack that they picked of music they like. And just people would go on there and you'd treat it like almost like a, a chat room where you were also racing across these ridiculous tracks. Um, very like sort of arcadey racer and that series went on for quite a quite a while on pc and then ubisoft bought it um and they finally released one on uh, xbox uh, one and ps4 i don't know if it's out on pc as well i think it might be coming out on pc in the future and it's a slightly sanitized stripped down version of the of what Trackmania was um it's there's no private service from what I've seen. Um, basically, it's like... So it's it's a an arcade racer. You've got four different t- types of track. And on each type of track, there's a different type of car. But everybody has the same car. Um, the only differences are like cosmetic. So you there's a campaign where you drive through these base, these various tracks and try and beat the, the particular time trial. But the thing about it is the multiplayer. So you jump into a multiplayer course... Um, and the one that everybody goes for mainly is what they call the uh, Canyon Grand Drift, uh, where you have like um, NASCAR style cars and uh, they'll be up to about 120 people in a server. Um, all these, but it's all, it's just time trial. So they're all ghost cars. So it's not like chaotic bouncing off of the cars as you're going through. But it's just a hundred and <laughs> I know, but it, it's still really good though. It's like a hundred and yeah, up to about 120 people in a server um, racing against each other's best times um, over and over and over again for like five to ten minutes, um, depending on the, on the server settings. 
and you just try and beat your 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 best score. And the, the tracks start off quite simple, um, point to point, bit of drifting, a few hairpins or whatever. And then later on, uh, you'll start to get to the more difficult tracks and there'll be like looped loops or uh, you're driving up a wall or, and some of the tracks end up being your first, you know, dozen or, th- or so goes through it. It's like a maze and you're trying to work out how the hell you actually get from the start of the track to the end of it before you can actually start laying down decent times. Um, it's really, really good fun. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's the, the, the driving aspect of it is very, very, arcadey very easy to get into but then once you start to get into it it becomes very very competitive um i can usually finish in i don't know in the top 20 or top 30 out of 100 or so people in the server i've never yet been on the um on the podium i've come (laughs) close a couple of times but um i'm really really enjoying that i put some footage of of that up on on the youtube channel as well so if you want to see what it's like then check it out and there's plenty of other of uh, plenty of footage out there on other channels as well and then i didn't really have a lot of time to play much else i went back through my ps plus back catalog of stuff that i hadn't played that i'd, I'd purchased and noticed that i got walking dead season two on there and i thought well you know you've just done grim fandango and i recently played season one of uh of the wolf among us i thought right i'll jump on walking dead season two because i really enjoyed the first season started playing it last night and got halfway through the first episode and just quit (laughs) i'm really really not enjoying it i think it's a combination of the fact that i've i'm sick to death of zombie games uh this just zombie games and zombie films and zombie tv shows have been all over the place for so long i've just gotten so fed up with it but the, the main problem i had with it is that uh, it's compared to some of the other Telltale games I've played. It is really, really badly directed, if that's the the right phrase to use. Um, there'll be it, stuff happens in such a jumpy way. Like um, there's a bit early on where Clementine, another character, come across some nasty people, um, and you do something, and then Clementine starts running off, and it kept jumping in such an awkward way that if it was like a, a film or something, you'd think, "Who the fuck directed this? This is awful!" Um, <laughs> and it just it turned me off so much that I, I got to a point where I just finished that particular scene and just turned it off. Um, and then, in a grumpy mood, I went onto the um, PlayStation Store and had a look on the Easter sale and saw that, uh, and it's just to see if there's anything that caught my caught my eye. I noticed that Tropico Five was available for. Uh, um, uh, twelve pounds, I think it was, and I had I had about that in my uh, in my my PlayStation wallet. So I thought, oh, I'll pick that up. I haven't played a good RTS in ages, uh, and then ended up sinking about four hours into it last night um, <laughs> in just one sitting. <laughs> it's great. It's it's um, well, you've played a few of the Tropico games, uh, haven't you, Kev? Yep, yep. I've done three, four, and five. Wow. Uh, so this was my f- the first Tropico game I'd ever played. Um, and the first RTS game I played in in a, in a good long time. Um, it handles partic- really really well on console. I was quite surprised. I, I was a bit. I, I've had bad memories of trying to play Command and Conquer and things like that on console back in the day, and it just didn't control as well as it did with a keyboard and mouse. But this, the controls are very intuitive, um, mm. very simple to use. It'll become second nature after a while. Yeah, well. already. Like within the four hours I was playing it, I was already, I was flicking between menus really, really quickly and really <laughs> yeah. easily. I don't know where everything is now. Um, it's very simple to get to grips with, but it's it's very very um, deep. The systems in it, like way more than I expected it to be. 
Um, so you've got your basic, you know, you, you build it. So it starts off that you are the governor of a uh, Carib- made-up Caribbean island placed there by, by the crown, um, basically the British Empire. And you have a mandate to be there for a while and you have to do things to try and extend your mandate until you reach the point where you can declare independence and then you work your way through history, through the World War period, through the Cold War and onto the modern era. Um as El Presidente of uh, this made-up Caribbean uh, island nation. Um, I played a little bit of the campaign and then jumped into the sandbox mode just to see what you could do. Stuck everything on easy and gave myself unlimited money. Um, I thought, <laughs> this will be a breeze. I'll, 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 uh, and then I managed to get <laughs> I managed to get two years into independence and I got voted out because I was, <laughs> I was trying to be benign and trying to be the best leader I possibly could and have open and fair elections. And, and lost the first election so I'm going to start up another game later on tonight and I'm going to rule with an with an iron fist <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically that's the only way it's going to be a complete police state <laughs> yeah it's got very deep systems uh, in terms of like your different production aspects like your uh, your plantations and your ranches and your your factories and whatnot you can set budgets and set managers for each of these buildings that have particular traits um, and then setting your constitution you can decide to be like an open free democracy or you can be um, you know you can have a proper totalitarian regime where you are in charge forever and you rule through the military and the police and dissent is crushed or uh, any sort of government you want in between you can be full-on communist or full-on fascist whatever you want to do um and i'm really really enjoying it and i'm absolutely loving the soundtrack as well yeah, it's so upbeat yeah it's very it's a lot of like latin music and like salsa and, and and stuff like that um really good sense of humor as well from the different advisors that give you information throughout the game uh and the, the woman who runs the uh, the dj the, of the radio station in the town once once you reach the the second world war period is very funny as well um I'm, I'll have a little bit more to say about once I've played a little bit more once because I haven't gotten past the World War period, so I haven't seen what it's like in the Cold War. I hear it gets quite complicated because you're <laughs> kind of true to life. You're trying to balance your relationship between East and West and trying not to piss either of them off too much and getting caught in the middle of the Cold War and whatnot. And uh, it sounds really interesting. So once I've gotten a little bit more into it, then I'll have a bit more to say about it. But so far, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and the best best uh, 12 pounds are spent in ages <laughs> it does get a bit intense as well when you've got battleships circling your island from both sides <laughs> yeah i'll warn you now it gets tricky but i'll, I'll have a little bit of a, a bit more of a play on uh, sandbox mode just to get used to <laughs> the different aspects of it before because the, the campaign um uh it's a bit weird like I started playing the campaign and you, you, I started building up on a particular island and then once I reached a certain point it moved me onto another island and then I had to start again from scratch I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want to do this I just <laughs> want to build up on one island from scratch so um there's a multiplayer in it as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I'm sure, I saw something about multiplayer on the menu, mm. so I'll, I'll give that a try as well once I've uh, played a bit more. Well, I've got it, so I can jump on with it. Yeah, once I've got to grips with it a bit more, we'll have to set up a, a game night and play some, but um, really, really enjoying it. There's a couple of expansion. Well. Oh, cool. Yeah, all three of them. as well, oh, nice. Chaos. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm enjoying being able to live out my, my socialist fantasies at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to last. You, you really need to be a fascist to get anywhere in that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to end up turning into the very thing I despise. <laughs> With a big smile while you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
over the past week I managed to get myself up to Leeds um, Burstall the curry's up there they're up there they've got the demonstration for the HTC Vive I think the last time I saw VR being really promoted. It was back in the 80s, wasn't it? It was like, I mean, I've, I've been to the Play Expo and I've seen the really big red machine where you, it's basically in a, in a little stand. The HTC Vive was set up in a 5 by 5 meter room, so you've got a lot of space to move about. It comes with two steam controllers, and i never used these before. So these get placed into your hand. Headphones get placed on your head, and the headset gets placed on your head, and you have to adjust the headset to make sure there's no blurriness. If there's blurriness, it's going to cause you problems. It's attached to the PC through a cable, so you've got this cable running from the back of the headset to the PC. And for this demo, you get about 10 15 minutes or so, and the guy was talking you through it. I have to say, the staff, he was brilliant, you know, they were really, really helpful. One of the things is it teaches is to walk around, um, and when you walk towards a wall on the HTC, with, the, a grid will appear in front of you so it'll be just like squares and you see so as soon as you approach a wall this grid will come through the game and you'll be like oh too close to the wall is that like the holodeck yeah from star trek exactly so you could cool yeah so it was like that and so if you knew you're getting too close um you stop because you see the grid appear um through the game so that was quite cool there were three games on offer from this demo you had a certain amount of time to go through it the first one I think was called Office Space so they were just like tech demos then yeah they were really tech demos this was just it's called Office Space did you get to beat up a fax machine no did you get to keep the stapler no (laughs) nothing like that I got to (laughs) got to fire some people though oh well sweet (laughs) I mean yeah this was interesting so yeah steam controls turn into hands so you can look down you see hands in front of you and the guy just took you through a series of tasks that you were meant to do in. So one of them was deleting emails. One of them was p- picking up a coffee cup and then putting it on the coffee machine, pressing it, get your coffee. You'd lift your sleep controller to your mouth. A gulp sound would appear and the coffee would be emptied from the cup. Then you'd ask you to pick some donuts up and you'd eat the donuts. Then you could eat a mouldy donut from a bin, which of course you did. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> you were sick and the sick came from your mouth you could see the graphics coming from your mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> one thing I noticed when because um, my brother did it before me um, of a gulp sound you could actually hear from the outside the sound of him eating so that was quite that was quite interesting um, yes yeah, so I picked up paper airplanes with their balls with their you could throw them um so it's quite funny just picking these airplanes up and throwing these airplanes around the environment. Um, you deleted emails. It just showed you a bit about what VR could possibly be, the interactions. I'm not saying it's exciting. I'm not saying you're going to be firing people, pulling down this... Um, you just have it in woodwork, you know, you blank it. It's like a big stamp. So it was good. You know, it just showed you about what they could do. Did it feel as immersive as everybody's saying VR is? Yeah, it did. It did. Mm. You know, once you get used to the, once you get used to fat, the controllers and what you're used to, you know, I think I tried to pick up something. It took me about ten attempts, though. I think you just, but my brother said it <laughs> took him, it took him <laughs> one attempt. So maybe it just shows my <laughs> level of clumsiness or what, but <laughs> of lack of dexterity. I you know, but um, 
it was it was immersive when you get into it and fair enough you, the guy was telling you what to do on each stage but you know if you did it by yourself um, I suspect you'd walk around the environment quite a bit you didn't really move too much within this environment the first one the second one was a shooter um, you were shooting drones um, so you had two guns in your hand so the steam controllers turned into guns or you could have uh, two shields or a shield and a gun I think my brother used two guns I used a shield and a gun so I think there's a video of me I will put it up um, looking a bit weird because one of my hands is like protecting me so I have hurt it or something when actually it was my shield while the other one's darting around being a gun um, <laughs> this was just shooting drones um, you could dodge so as they were firing at you you could move about I mean my brother was at agility moving around so much he almost crashed into me um, <laughs> came out of the area um, yeah it was good you know a lot of fun it showed you that you know it was quite accurate in its uh, mechanics um, it was a bit like shooting the um, old Star Wars drone do you remember you know Luke gets in the Millennium Falcon is with a lightsaber this was but without yeah. the lightsaber but you've got a gun so it felt a bit like that um, so it just showed you the shooting mechanics you expect better games to have you know more immersive sort of um, playing areas and everything but it was movable a lot of fun and the third demo was paint um, and essentially um, it was 3D paint so you could put um, stuff in like snow like I put a snowman in then you can have p- pick up different options like you can have a straight line you can choose the size of your brush you could have it like a smudge you could do all sorts but you paint around and you could walk around the whole of your design so I think I did some sort of squiggle in the air then I walked around it and had something more that was really you know like really interesting and you know I was quite impressed with that overall you know, I'm not saying I'm the be- best artist but that was quite good um, overall, it's really good, really immersive. I was really surprised how well I, or how much I enjoyed it. Um, really <coughs> going through it. Um, concerns, I suppose, the space, especially if you're doing something there where you're moving about quite a bit. Mm. I think there's, I mean, I know that was a five by five meter room. That's quite a lot of space, and even then the. You know, oh, gotcha. my brother was coming quite close to me and quite close to the edges quite often. But also, I felt fine when doing it. But when I took it off, and maybe because I mean I'm rubbish on roller coasters and even roads, certain roads, I would just get really bad motion sickness. Hmm. But I'd how do you get anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> you go to America all the time, you nutcase. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of tablets. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I took the headset off and I felt fine. But as I, so I started moving, leaving the room and all that, I started feeling a bit queasy and a bit sick and all that. Mm. So for me personally, you know, because my brother felt fine, he really enjoyed it, he was okay. But for me, I, I'd like to try it again a bit more, maybe with PlayStation VR, try them out and make sure that it's not just the headset for the first time. Because if I was doing 20 minutes or so, half an hour and I was feeling ill for about an hour afterwards there's little point in me getting yeah. it overall really good really good demo really shows how the technology has come along and I was really surprised by it 
for me personally it'd be the motion sickness mm. I think a general concern is just this space yeah I think that that's one of the big selling points of the HTC Vive is the fact that you can move around and use it but mm. and most people the vast majority of people aren't going to have a, a room of the required size that's empty <laughs> no. in order to be able to play with no. play with me ranting so if I get a VR headset it's going to be a sitting down sort of experience for me I'd be killing myself on Lego bricks yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ow 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 yeah, I don't have like in the flat I live in. There's not a single room which is big enough. Even if I moved all the furniture out of the living room, I don't think it would be it would be big enough really to have enough room to be able to move around. So if I get a VR headset, it's going to be a sitting down thing. Um, I'm a little bit trepidatious about the the motion sickness, and I've a lot of people I don't know who were, I was reading about who've been using Oculus Rift since it's come out and said that sometimes it it could take a good like half an hour or so before you start to feel the effects, start to feel a little bit ill mm. um, and that's not really you're not really going to get long enough playing with the tech demo in a store to be able to work that out but um, I've just upgraded my phone to a Samsung so I might buy into the, um, the Gear VR headset just as sort of like an entry into yeah. into virtual reality just to see before um, PlayStation VR comes out because I don't know if I'll even be able to try that before I buy it um, just to see whether VR is for me or whether it would make start making me feel sick like I'm fine on roller coasters and I'm fine on roads if I'm a passenger in a car and I'm trying to read while someone else is driving I'll, I'll end up feeling a bit ill but apart from that I don't really suffer from motion sickness but I've, I've got I don't know I want to try it out first for a decent amount of time before I decide that I want to spend a good amount of cash and you can get a Gear VR headset for, for less than 100 quid so I think that's what I'll try out first you can do or you could go with um, uh, Google Cardboard um, so you yeah, could, I think you true. can pick them up for what 10-15 pound or so yeah, yeah. there's even um, demos and things on YouTube on how to make your own and things like that so even mm. that I had a quick look at the demos and things. I didn't actually um, have a proper headset, um, mm. but just on my phone. And they seem okay, um, although obviously limited, um, just because it's on a phone and what have you. So, mm. yeah, if you're unsure, there's cheap ways of doing it, um, just to have a quick yeah. go at it. Obviously, the more money you spend, um, I think a quick review that I read of the, um, the HTC Vive was that it feels a lot better because there's a lot more money um, has been put into the production of it. Um, yeah. So it's possibly less likely to cause motion sickness, etc., compared to some of the cheaper versions. It'll be interesting to see where the um, where it all goes, and particularly the price point for the Vive, um, compared to say yeah, the Rift and certainly the PSVR, and how yeah. um, they all either come down in price or whether or not they all sort of maintain their levels. Um, as such within the environment really. I don't know if the PSVR will come down much in price from what they're already saying it'll be yeah because it's only about I think it's about £350 yeah yeah that's what it is yeah. which is considerably cheaper than the competition but it's also going to be considerably less powerful than the Oculus and the, the HTC because you won't need a £1500 PC to be able to run it um but yeah, I think I'm going to buy it at the cheap end and try out the the. Um, I might see if I if I know anyone who's got a Gear VR headset that I can borrow when my new phone arrives and try that out. But yeah, I definitely want to be able to spend some time because even 350 quid is a lot of money to spend on something and then find out that it makes you ill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's another console for God's sake. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, 
No. If, if anything, if you look at the Wii U, it's a console and most of the back Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Especially in a year when we, we may possibly be getting a new Nintendo console as well. Yeah. I, I know mm. if the choice was VR headset or new Nintendo console, I'm going to get a new Nintendo console. Yep. I'm not going to flip a lot of coins on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we are going to introduce a new feature now. It'll be an occasional one. Uh, We are going to introduce the Lunch Hour Game of the Week. This will be a range of nominations from each of us, and we will just uh, sort of pick one that we think a lot of people will enjoy. This week I am going to nominate both The Walking Dead, um, No Man's Land, and Hearthstone. Um, I've talked about No Man's Land before, um, and Hearthstone doesn't really need much of an introduction for anybody who has already played it. <laughs> uh, with the new expansion nearly out for Hearthstone, uh, the Old Gods, and a shake-up of the card-playing format, um, it has it will be uh, a slightly different game to uh, what you have previously played, um, but it'll hopefully shake up the meta um for deck building and what have you and so it'll be good to see what happens um well i'm quite lucky in that i live about five minutes walk away from where i work so i don't have to rely on mobile gaming or on the vita or anything like that to play something on lunch hour. I, I can i can be home and have a good 40 minutes or so to play something uh, on my lunch break um so apart from rocket league which is always a great game that you can just pop on and play for 10 minutes or so and then then forget about it. Most of the games I've got on my Wii U um, are games that I would, I'd say they're are good for playing on lunch break. Splatoon, um, you can be load in and be in a game in, within three or four minutes. Uh, the games themselves are two minutes long, I think, two or three minutes long each match. Uh, three minutes. The three minutes, yeah. A rigid, yeah, very yeah. rigid three minutes long for each match. Um, there's no overtime or anything like that. So I could squeeze in half a dozen matches if I'm, if I'm lucky in a, in a lunch break. Um, Mario Kart, uh, you can load up, jump into a multiplayer match again, be, be in a race within five minutes, play a few rounds of that and then, uh, on, be on your way. And, um, Super Mario Maker, uh, not the actual making aspect of it, because you'll need to sit down and spend hours if you want to make a level. <laughs> but uh, just playing one of the community, not the community, the um, what they're called, the special courses that they get put up uh, by Nintendo uh, on the on the little calendar part of of, of the uh, interface, or just jumping in and playing um, the Hundred Mario Challenge uh, on easy, where you just play through ten levels, uh, and they're usually really quick to play through. Um, yeah, the Wii U is full of lots of games that you can just pop on and play for, for half an hour or an hour and then uh, forget about. I'll jump in with um, Hitman Go then because I know we've just been talking about it, but wow, those those levels can be really, really quick. I mean, there's the first level, for instance, which is just two moves. You move forwards two steps and then that's it. That's the end of the level. Like you said earlier, you know, we... we can put in as much as we want and obviously because it's um ios and ps vita it don't matter whether you can get home or not couple of suggestions one i loaded up the other day um drive club oh um, yeah i think if you can get us yeah i think there's so many challenges so much content out there that oh, if you do yeah. have remote play um if you've away from your ps4 that you just load up a race have a go a couple of goes up the challenges 
Um, you have a lot of fun out of that. And Hand of Fate, which I've talked about, and it's ideal mm. for, you can have a go at it. If you, if you get beat, you get beat. If not, um, you'll win the level, and it only takes about 20 minutes to half an hour per go. Per go. Those two I recommend, both from remote players, because it's quite easy with Hand of Fate, because you can get the mm. computer to do a lot of things, and you just press X, 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 apart from... <laughs> Apart from when you do, you've got the wall movements. But, but it's good, yeah. <laughs> right, thank you very much. And if any of our listeners have any other recommendations for Lunch Hour Games of the Week, either tweet at us or put it up on Facebook and we'll have a look at them. Thank you. This comes from twinfinite.net. Microsoft employee may have let slip on Xbox Next. Microsoft employee who's previously worked on major projects such as the Xbox One and Xbox 360 has added the next Xbox Next to his experience on LinkedIn. Whilst he's not currently known what the Xbox Next is, it should be noted that David Gardner is a visual design lead who has worked for Microsoft since 2006. Also unknown is who else is working on projects, whether or not this is an official name or just a working title. The fact that Gardner has experience with creating some aspects of Microsoft's console might spare rumours that this will be the next Xbox, and this could simply have something to do with the fact that Microsoft is taking extra steps to bridge the gap between consoles and computers, according to recent comments made by the head of Microsoft, Phil Spencer. Our intent is where genres and creative make sense in both spaces, that we'll put the games in both spaces, and you see us doing that a lot already said Spencer regarding Microsoft's first-party titles heading to PC. As of this article, there's been no official word from Microsoft regarding the Xbox Next. I'm not sure what to make of that. It could be some sort of software that bridges that gap between the consoles. It could be they could be looking forward for the true next-gen. It could be the name for the new Xbox Slim or something. We've seen that before with like the new iPad and the new 3DS. I don't know. Watch this space. Maybe we'll have more to report back later down in a few months or so. E3 time. Half the heels of Microsoft's uh, Build 2016 event, we got an interesting bit of Xbox news for people that have followed the Xbox One since it first started. I pinched this story from pureXbox.com. During today's Microsoft Build 2016 event, it was finally revealed that every Xbox One console can now be turned into a dev kit. Originally announced back in July 2013 as part of Microsoft's original Xbox pitch, the feature has been notable more for its absence until today. Available as a preview from today, developer mode will go fully live this summer. Microsoft demonstrated how to switch the console over to developer mode by simply using an app. Once the user is registered as a developer, the Dev Mode Activation app, working in tandem with another app called Dev Home, can be used to switch back and forth between developer mode and regular console functionality. There are also a few other requirements that users should bear in mind. You have to be a part of the Windows Insider program. You need to be running Windows 10 on your PC. You need to have a wired connection from your PC to your Xbox One. You need to install the latest Visual Studio 2015 and Windows builds. And you must have at least 30 gig of storage space free on your console. As part of the event, Microsoft also confirmed that Cortana is finally heading to Xbox One as a personal gaming assistant. However, no firm release details were released. 
Finally, Microsoft also announced the rather expensive HoloLens dev kits will be shipping out today for those who have stumped up the pricey sum of $3,000. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. Back when Don Matrick first unveiled the Xbox One, there was a big deal made about how every single console could be create, could become a dev kit. Um, and it was never really delivered on. When Phil Spencer took over as head of Xbox, he promised that this feature hadn't been forgotten and it would one day come. Finally, we're seeing the realization of that. It's only really come about because of Microsoft's aligning of Xbox with Windows 10. So you're not going to be making the next AAA game or anything using this it's purely going to be for what they call uwps i think it is uh universal windows programs so think more like the apps so we could see smaller like mobile experiences come from people but it's also an avenue i guess for smaller app developers to bring across their apps to the xbox one universal windows apps i guess are going to work in a similar way to our android apps or ios apps work where they can be used across multiple devices the windows 10 continuum as they put it um so that's including your phone your desktop computers your tablets and of course xbox one i think it's pretty cool it hopefully means we'll see a few more apps and stuff come to the xbox i don't think the app stuff's really been that well supported xbox one or not as well supported as i think the xbox 360 was i didn't have an xbox 360 so i'm not really sure i had a ps3 um so it'll be interesting to see what other stuff does make it over because of this um microsoft still went to lens to say this doesn't replace the idea xbox program the best way to get more fully fletched games onto the console is still to apply for an idea xbox license so to speak um but yeah, interesting news nonetheless. Will be good to see once that stuff rolls out properly in the summer what sort of apps will be appearing on the console. In terms of Cortana, I'm not really sure that's a big deal. I have Cortana on Xbox 10 and on Windows 10 and never use it. Apparently it can be clever, it can tell you interesting information about where you booked hotels and stuff and sync all that stuff up for you, but I personally find that having an android phone gmail does a pretty good job of pulling all that stuff through and just providing that information as reminders and stuff i don't really need cortana knocking about doing that stuff for me either there is a hope it might bring back some of the voice controls that have disappeared whilst when xbox updated to the new dashboard it kind of got rid of a lot of those connect features which is why that extra processing core was unwrapped, I think, uh, for developers to use because it's now not concentrating on listening and gathering all that data for Connect. It lost a lot of features when that happened, to be honest. Yeah, interesting news nonetheless for Xbox One owners. I'm going to shoot you straight back over to the guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. So thanks very much for that, Adam. And we'll move on to our first uh, news story of the week. And that is that Final Fantasy XV finally has a release date and there's a another demo out. Uh, there was a demo a while ago, uh, Final Fantasy XV Episode Duske, uh, available if you got Final Fantasy Type-0 on uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, I played through a bit of it. It was very pretty. Um, and that's about all I've got to say on it. I didn't really enjoy the gameplay. <laughs> Uh, but the release date's finally been announced. It's coming out on September 30th for PS4 and Xbox One. Um, do we know if it's going to be coming out on PC at all? Don't think there's been anything mentioned as yet. No. 
So it's coming out September 30th on PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, you can now play a Platinum Demo. Uh, all of the content is new. Uh, you play as a younger version of Noctis, and completing the demo will unlock free stuff in the main game. Uh, there was a reveal of the Final Fantasy XV Deluxe Edition, which will come with a copy of the King's Glaive. Um, not sure what that is. <laughs> no. um, Sounds like a hand glove or something. Yeah. King's Glaive, yeah. It also comes with a steelbook case and exclusive DLC. Uh, but if that doesn't sound deluxe enough for you, then there's also the Ultimate Collector's Edition, which includes all that, plus a Noctis statue, a hardcover art book, soundtrack, and even more DLC. Uh, there's only going to be 30,000 copies of that, and they've all sold out. So you'll be able to pick them up on eBay for about 500 quid in a couple of weeks. Right. According to a number of sources uh, this week, uh, we've got our article from Polygon. Uh, according to Japan's Nikkei, uh, Nintendo will stop production of the Wii U console sometime in 2016. Bugger. Uh, the con- yeah. The console has sold poorly compared to its wildly successful predecessor, which debuted in 2012. Um, oh, well, the, the Wii U debuted in 2012. I think over its lifespan, the Wii U has sold in around 12 million um, units, so it has, whereas mm. the Wii was 100 plus million. Um, so, so that's a massive, uh, massive um, sort of scale on that, so it is. Mm. Um, yeah. I think part of the issue has been software just hasn't been coming out steadily enough, and there hasn't been sort of the big name titles um, coming out. The fact that uh, we or Zelda, the new Zelda coming out, um, means that the Wii U won't have had an actual uh, Zelda exclusive title. Um, every no. other every other Nintendo console bar, I think the Virtual Boy, has had its own Zelda game, whereas the Wii U hasn't. And I often think that it's the name has always been the, the issue with the Wii U. The Wii um, itself had to wait until right at the end. Skyward Sword didn't come out until oh, yeah, quite that's late well, in that yeah. console generation before they had their own one. Twilight Princess was out before that, but it was GameCube as well. Yeah, Twilight Princess was cross-platform in that one. Yep. Well, Twilight Princess came out on the very day that the GameCube ceased production. So yeah. it, was only, it was only released for three hours, which is why it cost <laughs> such a bloody fortune. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think mo- a lot of it coming down to the Wii U console being um, or ending production is that there's heavily rumoured that the NX will be released this year or mm. possibly the start of 2017. At the minute, the Nintendo is still very tight-lipped um, on a lot of the information, even going to the point of nearly denying um, <laughs> that the Wii U console will be stopped. Yeah. Um, they haven't quite went as far as saying it will be, but they're not saying that it definitely won't be. Just that the no. wording on their articles and what have you haven't been entirely correct. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely an element of truth there. Um, so there is. So yeah, we wait and see. It's it's a shame because it's a fantastic console. I think it was it a is, perfect yeah. storm of problems. Um, people didn't really know what it was when it first came out. The the the, the fact that the Wii sold so many units was that it, it managed to find a foothold with people that weren't really gamers, people that wouldn't have gone out and bought a console. They went and yeah. bought a Wii. And then the Wii U comes out and it's called the Wii U and people weren't sure whether it was an add-on for the original Wii or whether it was a new console. Not a lot of games came out that really took advantage of the um, the, ta- the the controller, the screen on the on the the, the controller. I've got mm. one game, and that's Super Mario Maker, which actually uses that to its full potential. I use it on Monster Hunter Three Ultimate Soda, which is um, yeah. 
it's handy for that sort of but yeah i think a lot of it also then comes down to the third party support for the wii u just hasn't been there compared to the wii admittedly an awful lot of the titles on the wii were supposed to shovelware um there just hasn't been that on the wii u (laughs) well yes but it is it is a real shame about um the, the number, you know, like you said, it was it's about 12 million units that they've yeah, sold the for the Wii U. And that had a, a good couple of years head start on the PS4 and the Xbox mm, One. And, the, and yep. by comparison, the PS4, as of January this year, has sold 35.9 million units. Yeah. It's a shame. I really hope they aren't ceasing production on it because I don't know whether that whether that'll mean that they they go up in price or whether they go down in price. But if they go up in price, that'll be a shame because I'd like more people to be able to pick one up. Because there is a huge back catalogue now, way bigger than people realise, of top, top quality games. Right, other news this week is that the Final Fantasy XI servers are shutting down on both the PS2 and the Xbox 360. Uh, The PC version will still be up and running um, for a little while anyway. Uh, This comes from technobuffalo.com. Um, alas, all good things must come to an end, and one of Final Fantasy's most understood chapters is no longer available on two of its platforms. As has been planned for months now, Square Enix has shut down the servers, powering both the PlayStation and Xbox 360 versions of Final Fantasy XI. Uh, so it's now only accessible to players through the PC. It still amazes me, I think this is what, nearly 15 years um, that those servers have actually been up and running. Um, so that's good innings on a server, um, particularly considering it goes back to, well, certainly the PlayStation 2 has been succeeded since then. And while the Xbox 360 has only just been succeeded by the Xbox One, uh, that's still a long time for servers and people to be sitting playing on them as well um, since then. I'm sure most people's now their PlayStation 2s either made it down to CEX, the local charity shop, or are currently sitting in a cardboard box up in the loft. <laughs> There's a couple of other just quick news items this week. Um, obviously, Mitomo was released. Uh, Dark Souls 3 has been released, as has Quantum Break. And the embargo for the HT Vive um, drops for North America, I think, possibly uh, tomorrow, the 5th of April, or thereabouts. Um, there was a mix-up with UK um, PR for the HTC Vive in that uh, P- or news, or news um, places didn't get um, actual physical copies of it. Uh, there's been a little bit of a kick-up. I think Laura K. Buzz over at Destructoid um, actually got a review up today. Um, she was able to get through um, other means and was therefore not tied to an embargo the way the North American outlets are. Um, so... There's been a little bit of kick up about that um, from her, or well, aimed towards her. Um, a lot of people aren't particularly happy, but she wasn't under embargo and would have quite happily have went under the embargo if she'd been able to get hold of the hardware. Um, but it was obviously their decision not to supply that to UK outlets. Uh, just a quick clarification on Dark Souls 3. It's out now in Japan. Oh, right, okay. And review copies are out there, and there's a few people who've managed to get copies that have been sent out early by retailers, but us mere mortals are unfortunately going to have to wait until April 12th. I've got my pre-order down. We've got our ongoing topic of what is your favourite video game openings. Uh, If you'd like to let us know, then you can contact us via the, the regular means. And just a reminder that our next playlist game will be Uncharted Golden Abyss on the PlayStation Vita. So the five of you out there who actually have a PlayStation Vita, (laughs) 
make sure you you pick up Uncharted Golden Abyss. I think you can get it pretty cheap. It's on offer uh, at the moment. Play. It's on the it offers on um, oh, good. PlayStation uh, Plus. There you go. You've got yeah. no excuse. Go out and buy a PlayStation Vita and pick that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> less than the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs a Vita. As always, if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us and you can send us questions, uh, suggestions of new uh, or additional segments uh, that you'd like us to implement or anything for us to read out on the show or anything you'd like us to discuss, then you can email us. Uh, that's lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at lapsedgamer. Uh, you can visit the Lapsed Gamer Facebook page and you can add yourself to to our new Lapsed Gamer Radio community group. Um, we've got a newly formed blog. Uh, it's lapsedgamerradio.blogspot.co.uk if you'd like to see our thoughts uh, written out a little bit more coherently than they are on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think Adam's already put his race to 100 for this year, hasn't he? I've read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he started it. He's got his January update yeah. up, so he yeah. And uh, we're hoping to maybe get one or two articles per month, um, just about either specific topics, games, um, or just a variety of bits and pieces. As I say, Adam has this challenge that he'll be running throughout the year, trying to get to 100 completed mm. games um, <laughs> in one calendar year, which is quite a feat, I reckon. <laughs> That's more than I've done in a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> During his 100, Adam's actually started um, putting an extra little comment on any of the games that he does play, um, saying whether or not he thinks it'd be suitable for Labs Gamer. So yeah, oh, good. it's definitely worth a read for those people who want to have a look at it yeah I think we need to thank Chazzy for the uh, seal of approval stamp as well that looks awesome yeah. oh the two of them yeah the uh the gold standard and the recommended one yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they look great so you'll see those popping up on the blog and thanks very much to Jazzy for doing that um, you can find our podcast episodes to stream or mp3 download at our Podbean web address that's lapsgamerradio.podbean.com or you can find them on iTunes and if you didn't find them either of those then please let us know where you did find them <laughs> <laughs> Also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review uh, Lapsed Gamer Radio on iTunes. And you can check out our Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel for additional content. Uh, you'll find some footage I put up there recently of uh, Trackmania Turbo and the Doom Closed Beta. And I'll probably be putting up some um, Tropico footage as well because I'm loving that game. <laughs> and of course, let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us. And so uh, all that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. Done. Yeah, thank fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>